women are, like me or my friends are sitting in interviews, job interviews, and <laughs> they, they ask us, yeah, do you have a partner? When do you plan your family? It is a reality that women get pregnant and that they're going to be out of the workforce for a certain period of time. From the employer's standpoint, what would you really have them do? An employer legally cannot pay a member of the armed forces less or remove their position during times of military service, for instance, right? And that standard exists, and there's no discussion mm -hmm. around, hey, you know, what if they're not going to come back as skilled or what if they're not going to come back as you know, uh, qualify to do a particular role because they've had X amount of time away from it. But that's simply because that has been codified into law. Welcome to Radius of Reason. I'm LaVon with my co-host, Andre. This is episode 28, and we've got a really good episode for you. Today, we talked to German science reporter, Patty Brueggemeyer. Uh, she is also a feminist. We discussed feminism and if women's liberation has made women happier, if it's made our civilization better off, and if the gender pay gap is real. Okay, Patty, what is feminism? Feminism, in general speaking, is the belief in social, economic, and political equality um, of the sexes. And um, over the years, you can say, like, feminism um, yeah, has focused on different issues, um, like the right to vote, re reproductive and sexual freedom, and also equal pay. And those are, like, basic issues, but it goes far beyond those basic rights. It seeks, like deeper culture changes and, um, yeah, a shift in society, like the end to sexism in general, and also their, um, yeah, the intersexual oppression based on gender, race, sexuality, and class, it um, seeks to change that. That basically, uh, speaking, speaking like that uh, women and men are the same and have the same rights, that's the goal. I feel like feminism has successfully incorporated men. I mean, is this a, a movement or belief system that should span all uh, or, or the spectrum of gender and sexuality? I mean, the, the things you referenced in your definition are things that I think both men and women uh, would, would, would agree on, right? I mean, you called out class. That, that's not something that... Um, is particularly unique to, to one gender or the other. So do you think that feminism has done a good job of universalizing the movement as opposed to maybe uh, making it exclusively for, for female participants? Andre, I really appreciate your question. Um, but <laughs> to be really honest, the first question about feminism should not be does it include the men? Are the men included <laughs> enough? <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Um, it's also important to, to include all genders, but uh -huh. um, feminism is also about like including all, but it's called feminism because it's really about women this time. Uh -huh. It's about like if men are here and women here, it's about lifting those up that they are on the same level. Perfect. And men are already there so it's a bit less about men in this case but yeah pa patty <laughs> I, I i do think men are still pretty relevant to the feminism discussion because i think both sexes 
need each other and they feed off each other and they, you know, we live in a society with, with both sexes. So I think, I, I, I don't think Andre's point is entirely irrelevant, but maybe let, let's, let's save that for, for a later part of the discussion. Um, what I want to ask you though is, okay, so when, when it comes to, to women um, and some of the inequality, would you say like the gender pay gap, for example, is kind of like one of the top issues? Um, mm, defining the top issues of feminism um, <laughs> is like what, what is important for people. Like the top issue could yeah. be like that the payment is not equal, of course, mm -hmm. but the top issue could be also like that um, women don't feel safe on the streets or recently we had like the um the international um women's day or the the, the day against violence against women and mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. the facts that um for for example in, in germany every uh, don't get me like like every fourth woman is a victim of domestic violence by the ex-partners like that could be one of the top issues that it's really not safe for women, <laughs> but of course, equal pay is also um, a big issue. But yeah, it depends how you, you want to, um, yeah, put yeah, a, quick note, a, a quick note on the safety thing. I, I think, was it in Mexico recently? Maybe it was last summer, actually, there was a huge, um, strike by the women because they were getting assaulted and harassed in the in the subway right is this yeah is this somewhat related to that as well or is this kind of an annual thing that's been happening um of course like i'm happy that you mentioned mexico because mexico is one of the country with the highest rate of femicides like mm -hmm. um murder that are conducted because of um the the sex of a person like the 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 because of being a woman, they are killed. And that is like one of the highest numbers in Mexico. And in Mexico, also the, the harassment situation is, um, yeah, really fatal. So that's why they, they have those protests. And, and um, yeah, what, I think for what, me, the safety is like one of the, the, the biggest questions or the biggest issues um, concerning um, what do you see as potential solutions to that? Is it, is it just an education problem or, or what, like what more could be done? Cause it seems like there's, there's a fundamental asymmetry between men and women in that the vast majority of men can quite frankly kill the vast majority of women. And the opposite is not true of the vast majority of women being able to just with their bare hands, kill a man. So, um, what, Apart from education, like what what could you do with with this asymmetry? Not not I am not just in, in physical capacity, but also men tend to be more aggressive than women, you know, and more violent than women. Like the mass majority of you know um, uh, of violent criminals are men, right? So so w w what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's also like a really big question because what what can we do to stop fantasizing it's like <laughs> yeah that would be key i really would love to have the solution but it's a lot more complex than having like one one answer one solution because it's based on like gender stereotypes and how people are raised how men uh, how boys are raised how girls are raised and how the patriarchy is involved in 
um, in our brains, in my brain, in your brain. It's like it's how we think, how we how we act, and um, it would like we we would have to start, of course, in the first steps of um, education and um, yeah, change a lot about um, values, about behavior, and yeah, it's it's a really huge question where it's not one. Um, can, can, can we sing, can we single out the bit about the patriarchy? I, I'm curious how you would link the um, the patriarchy and the things that have done that that have been done systemically in the name of patriarchy to contribute to to violence against women. Like, is I mean, some I, I want you to tease that apart, not just. You know, with you know, with the reality of men being again more aggressive, um, and being more more violent, uh, but but what has this patriarchy in particular ha have has what is it, what have they done or what has it done uh, rather to contribute to this problem? Um, the contribution is like um, if you value a woman not like a woman but more like a a thing or something minor then uh, there's not just respect that that uh, is missing then um, yeah I think that's the fundamental problem with the patriarchy and um, with yeah that also leads to violence if you don't see each other like equal but to a thing that you can hurt that you can harass you can you can kill in the end um, then patriarchy leads to really really dangerous uh, behavior towards women. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, if you want to support us, please like and subscribe the video if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, please make sure to reach out to us on Twitter and or X at radius underscore of. Drop us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. We'd love to hear from you. Now, you know, when you were giving your definition, it almost seemed like you were offering up like a, a globalist perspective on the feminist movement and certainly there, there are some common themes independent of if you're in mexico somewhere in southeast asia or in, in northern europe right that there, there is a common sense of a struggle against a certain established system that i suppose in this context will describe as the patriarchy do you generally feel that the feminist movement is a global concept or is there a particular nuance for respective issues as it relates to maybe geographic or cultural locations. Um, could you could you repeat your question? Like, if the patriarchy is like geographically, yeah. If, it, if um, it's a global concept, or if it's maybe if we can think about it as more like a localized thing, is feminism, let's no. say, in Western Europe, mm -hmm. uh, going to be facing different problems than feminism in North America, for instance? Mm, of course, like feminism faces different problems regarding the regions, but um, patriarchy is a concept that is like all over the world. It's um, it's in our brains. It's in our, our society that is um, it is there. And of course, like in different regions, it's different. And um, while I was traveling, I also. Um, yeah, perceived like different different stages of um, feminism or the absence of feminism. Mm -hmm. um, for example, in in my in my country, in my country Germany, in my city, there it's it's really normal that 
all all my friends are feminists or I'm really surrounded really in a bubble and here when I'm traveling I uh, sometimes I had to to explain what 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 I mean with feminism and what I mean with equal rights or I had to explain basic definition of patriarchy but that people don't know about it that doesn't mean that it's not there it just means that um, education about it is missing or that the um, yeah, we, we have to work on it in a different word. So I, I asked that question because oftentimes, you know, in, in considering like the patriarchy maybe as like a socioeconomic concept, uh, we're very much deep in the era of globalization, uh, of kind of the universalization of finance capitalism, where are, uh, can we link the concept of patriarchy to like the sort of singular global economic system that we live in or are they detached and we should consider them separately if that makes sense um it's totally just it's totally connected um lately i i i read the the, the book of um simon Beauvoir. Mm -hmm. like she she also like said like capitalism um kind of led to patriarchy in that sense because when people didn't have like oh when people started to um, say, okay, this land is mine and this woman is like, this is my wife and this is my, come on. Um, like, <laughs> um, at that moment, when you want to define things like yours and mine, and um, you have to also make sure that your, your ancestors or your the, the following generations, like keep the, the, the land, the goods you have and, that's really, really linked to, to, um, yeah, um, oppress like also women because, um, yeah, with this time it started that women stayed at home or uh, took care of children and um, men said, okay, um, you belong to me and I have the power now. And mm -hmm. so power and patriarchy and also, um, uh, yeah money and belongings and capitalism is closely linked. So, so just a really quick follow up on that. Uh, and I have to ask, so you mentioned you're from Germany. Do, do you think that the history of, of Germany with the GDR East Germany and its integration back into Western Germany has played a role of how women's rights evolved in Germany uh, after the Cold War, for instance, right, where the GDR for all intents and purposes, we're not going to you know, get into the good versus bad of the two economic models. But, you know, we could say that for things like women in STEM, for instance, which um, in the U.S., that that's still one of the major kind of banner issues that feminism grapples with, how to get women into, you know, fields of engineering or the sciences. In East Germany, that was almost like a standard, right? It was mm -hmm. uh, women were almost fully integrated in like the technical workforces. When the countries joined together, do you think that that has contributed to this phenomena you described where your, your immediate circle in your hometown, everybody tends to be up to a certain standard when it comes to women's rights, women's issues. Has that played a role at all in, in how Germany has evolved? Um, it's a really interesting question. Um, if, yeah, the, the, the system um, is really affecting that. And from, from my perspective, I cannot really tell, but I can tell you that even though I said like, um, in my personal bubble, there's more more feminism and more stuff like this. But in the history, and that I can speak for like Western Germany and Eastern Germany, um, 
and also today there's um yeah it's a lack of fem feminism mm -hmm. and um just to have like a few key facts like um since 1958 um <laughs> Like women are allowed to get a driver's license without the husband's permission since 62. They can open an own bank account without the husband's permission. And um, yeah, they also working without the husband's permission like, is <laughs> possible since 1977. Like generally speaking, that sounds like, okay, it's in the past, but for example, my mom, had to ask my dad if she can open a bank account, if she, if he is okay with working. Um, also like a crazy fact that makes me so mad. Like rape is punishable in marriage since 1997. And still politicians are in power that voted in 1997, that it should not be punishable. Um, yeah, 26 years ago, and they are still as, in power. As in, if a, a woman is raped within the concept, like by her husband, there is exactly. okay, no no legal consequence for that. And that was okay. That was considered as okay until 1997. And also, like crazy facts, like okay, to just look a bit further to Switzerland, um, like. Women's suffrage, like the, the right to vote, was introduced in the last canton in Switzerland in 1990. That means, like, <laughs> it's crazy because it's really not that far away. We all talk about, like, oh, yeah, in the history, many things have changed and we are there and we have some friends that are feminists, but that does not, um, yeah, that does not make um the bigger picture like this it's more like we have to work on many things and but yeah to 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 give a bit of insights of german um history of feminism and that was in both um sides east and west i um, yeah. yeah but yeah thank thankfully there there has been progress and i i, I think it's <laughs> i think it's uh good to acknowledge that because uh i mean those are pretty awful things uh and, and you know likewise in the u.s uh, likewise, in in my home country of Armenia, um, I, I, I I I I think I think the biggest issue is that there's a general maybe lack of respect towards women in a lot of maybe traditional cultures. Um, not in the sense that the men don't like care and love the women. I, I think most men are they tend to be. Um, I, th I think they tend to really care about may maybe their par their partner or, or or their daughters, whomever. But I, it's probably like some some subconscious thing, may maybe just a product of evolution, where um, th th there is this aura, there's this ether that surrounds uh, men's perception of women as maybe being a little bit lower in status. Um, and, and that may have to do with like resource acquisition again, early on in, in, in human evolution. But, um, uh, I, I do think that's, that's the biggest challenge from, 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 again, from my perspective, from, from a man's perspective, like that's the biggest challenge is to overcome some of the cultural, uh, 
perceptions and prejudices against women. But but I want to speak more concretely about some of the some of the issues like the gender pay gap. So so maybe we can start there. And and, and this is something that um, I, I I kind of looked into. I, I didn't really I, I heard you know both sides of the argument. Obviously that there there is this big gender pay 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 gap from from the feminist side and then from the more conservative side. They're saying there's more or less the uh, you know no pay gap and that this is a myth. Um, from mm -hmm. my Sorry. research, who yeah? said that is a myth? Like who um, said people people that, that tend to be more on the right, I would say. But that, um, like, I mean, okay, but we just have to acknowledge like basic <laughs> facts <laughs> that are numbers. We don't like right. So so if so, I did look into it, and and maybe my research isn't perfect. And feel free to correct me, but. From what I saw, you know, you've got uncontrolled and controlled, you know, um, assessments of the of the pay gap, and, and and so controlled assessments would be like accounting for pregnancy leave, uh, right? Uh, and and so if if you look at uncontrolled data, then it's like eighty two cents to the dollar that that mm -hmm. women make. But when you control for things like, you know, women being out of the workforce due to pregnancy, uh, it's about 99 cents to the dollar, which is pretty close and suggests that this is not as significant of an issue as what I typically hear f feminists make it out to be. That's not to say that in specific industries that there isn't a pay, pay gap. In fact, um, I believe in in in, uh, in like bartending. There's actually a pretty big pay gap pay gap between men and women uh, in favor of men. But then there's also under other industries like in tech, which I've seen again according to some research that women make more than men. Uh, so what what do you have to say about that? And like, am I am I looking at the wrong stats here because I'm not seeing the this overall huge pay gap that feminists typically kind of uh, talk about. Um, I'm, I'm glad that in this context, you also mentioned like the, the few exceptions where women learn earn more. <laughs> I mean, it's refreshing, I mean, but in general speaking, mm -hmm. it's like this, it's um, the pay gap exists. And even though um, if you like leave out all the pregnancy, um, like all the the um the pauses that are taken by women by, by pregnancy it's it's still there like women are the ones who who are giving birth and we cannot ignore that fact i mean um they are they they are discriminated because of this um even um today people say okay no um you're a woman we prefer men because in two years you will get pregnant or women are like me or my friends are sitting in um, um, interviews, job interviews, and <laughs> they, they ask us, yeah, do you have a partner? When do you plan your family? And there's this like questions where, which are not encountered by like, men do not encounter those questions. They are just men. They are also not working like the, some, they also have to talk about a bit like how, how we, um, which, um, words we use like 
working mom. Have you ever heard of a working dad? Like that's not an expression that really <laughs> exists. It's always like the discrimination is there and the pay gap is also there. Even though we say like, oh, if you if we leave out the pregnancy uh, pauses and stuff, then but it's there and people For... uh, wants to to grab it. To, okay, to so so. I'm just curious from, from the employer standpoint, you know, what would you have them do? Because if it is a reality that, you know, uh, that women get pregnant and that they're going to be out of the workforce for a certain period of time. Um, and actually, in my opinion, I, I think uh, women should be afforded much more time uh, to, to be out of the workforce and they should be ideally compensated for that. But but anyhow, like from the employer standpoint, what would you really have them do? Just ignore the fact that, well, now not only does this pose an issue in terms of, you know, staffing, but also when they return, well, they're, they don't have as much experience as say a man that would have continued to work. Would you say that the employer should artificially prop up their salary? Or do you think there are other ways to, to compensate for this discrepancy between men and women? Um, I I really think that um, they should be like they should be less um, yeah there should be in general less discrimination but of course they should um, be more open to new concepts that also like they 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 accept that if a dad says okay I want to I want to take care of my newborn baby that they should allow that and they should be open for that and they have work structures and yeah, just be a bit open about new family structures that, that um, yeah, they could happen in the future. But right now uh, it is like this, that the, the majority of women take in a pause and um, yeah, suffer because they cannot um, yeah, proceed in their careers and and, and um, Patty, maybe to yeah. contextualize your point just a little bit, there is a not entirely similar, but but there's some intersection with how employers must legally treat members of the military, at least in the United States. I don't know what the situation is like in the European Union, for instance, but an employer legally cannot pay a member of the armed forces less or remove their position during times of military service, for instance, right? And that standard exists. And that, that there's like no discussion about that from a standpoint of like, oh yeah, like of course, like members of the military, they go and they serve their country or something like that. And they return back to the workforce and they must be guaranteed a, a, a job in a similar pay in a similar role as when they departed. And there's no discussion mm -hmm. around Hey, you know, what if they're not going to come back as skilled or what if they're not going to come back as, um, you know, uh, qualified to do a particular role because they've had X amount of time away from it. But that's simply because that has been codified into law. So the question mm -hmm. is, is this a gap we have on a, on a legal basis or is this something intrinsically tied into how companies think about, um, women uh and and maybe it's it's a clash between more evolved societies where yes we've welcomed women into the workforce but the mindset maybe hasn't fully changed in terms of how we actually think about women and their role in society does that make sense yeah completely thank you for your point Andrew, because um it's 
really it shows that it's possible like it's totally possible to to treat people who take a break from their their the work and come back at the same same position and can can continue their career it, it means just like people don't want it people are not used to it used to their thought and i i i feel that way if um a man and a woman start to decide to to start a family and get a children they um the, not just the women should be the the one suffering about the consequences in the work it's it's just like that and um if we continue like this and say like okay let's wait let's see i think really some some legal um um difference have to be made because um, if if we continue like this the gender payment will not be close until 2088 it's like um i don't I personally don't want that. My children one day also. <laughs> We're all going to be out of work by then anyways. We'll, we'll be replaced <laughs> by, by robots. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, follow us on all the different platforms. Like and comment. And back to the show. But Patty, I did really quickly want to oh. uh, double click on something. And this goes back to something you mentioned that you would support um, uh, paternity leave higher rates of paternity leave increased uh opportunities for men if they choose to you know take extra time to to spend time with their newborn child to bond etc cetera, etc cetera. is this not an example of where feminism could indeed serve the interests of both men and women because i don't suspect any man would object to legally protected rights to take uh you know three four months off of work to spend time with their newborn child so is this, again, somewhere, I mean, you mentioned initially when we started talking that, you know, feminism isn't about men. It's about equalizing uh, the distance between the genders have on like a societal basis. However, there does uh, yeah. seem to be a point of intersection here. Um, Andrew, don't get me wrong. Feminism is about like um, men and women. We have to equalize both. Both are included. That's like the point. We have to include women to get on the same level as men. That that means that both are included. But like, I I was just confused by the first question. Like, yeah, well, what about the men? Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, can, can, came in with, <laughs> but what men? Yeah. Um, that was it. But you're completely right. Men are. We have to involve men in in all of the feminist movement, and men has to be feminist and. I, I was not just referring to like they can also take a break to to get a bit uh, to get to know their newborn a bit. I was really thinking about they can do like the two three years break of mm. um, raising the child. Like it it, it totally works, and um, some people are already doing it. But um, yeah, in general, society is not really open for it because it always has been like this. But um, yeah, I think not only companies, but also society should be more open to it. I, I think, you know, I think what's interesting is our current economic structure doesn't value, you know, things like women or, or men taking time off to raise their kids. Like there is no, there is no way to kind of, I don't know, produce like something measurable in terms of GDP, you know, from that. Which, which is a, you know, a, a tragedy, and I think that, that that impacts family units, and I think that impacts the the quality of, of people raising their kids, and um, and that aspect. Um, 
I'm, I'm curious if you think like there should be, I mean, you probably would agree with this, but some sort of at least tax benefits or some sort of incentive structure that, um, and, and again, I think this mostly, you know, impacts women, but if a woman takes time off to raise their kids, like it should not be looked down upon there, it should be rewarded heavily. Um, whether she wants to continue to work later on, or she just wants to be a stay at home mom, like we have to find a way to, to fit that into our economic systems, which right now it, it's just like it, it, from, from the standpoint of capitalism, you know, there's more or less no value to a woman staying home and raising their kids, yeah. but obviously because, it has huge societal impacts. Because capitalism and feminism goes not hand in hand, like it's. <laughs> it doesn't work but you you're completely right like it it should be like so much more rewarding of the the work that um the person who raised the kid um in best case the man and the women does because that is our future not just on the capitalistic economic side of you it's like the future of, of us of society but taxes um that would favor like people who um, raise the um, raise the kids are really an interesting point, and um, in this sense, I would like to mention also another text that is important to to see when we are talking about gender pay gap. Because um, yeah, even though women earn less and um, yeah are discriminated in certain fields, um, they have to pay more in certain. In, for certain projects, um, it's called the pink tax. So, the the, the tax you mentioned um, that treats women differently exists, but for their disadvantage. Like um, the pink tax means that it refers like to a tendency for product market um, specifically towards women to be more expensive than those marketed products um, towards men. It exists for for many many products and means like women in general have to pay more um, and um, yeah it refers to, to 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 many products but also like period products I don't know if you guys have heard about the the um, period poverty if you know that I, I don't think means. so maybe elaborate on that um, yeah that's like um, a global issue affecting um yeah on those who needs to buy um yeah products for the um, for their menstruation and um yeah for yeah. the period and um that can really yeah lead to poverty because <laughs> we like there's so much poverty in in this earth and if you don't have like a economic a really good um way seated situation um period <laughs> like a really natural thing um can be a risk for for poverty for for girls and for women and um yeah i think we should all consider this when we talk about um gender pay gap inequality mm -hmm. in payment that it's not like women and men um men earn more women less and they have to pay um more for certain things because there are taxes based on the patriarchy like or coming from the patriarchy and people don't really question it, they accept it. And that's where we, that's where we should start thinking about like 
um, yeah, returning those those taxes in favor for women that they they, um, yeah, I really liked your your idea that um, we could like do taxes but in favor for women. Is is one of the solutions to uh to the pink taxes? You know, you know, there's some overlap in products between men and women. You know, uh, women should just buy like men's shaving products and put put out of I business mean, like just put out of business the companies that aren't respecting you know the I, I don't know the just the unique situation of women and are trying to capitalize on, on that uh on that you know maybe, maybe the i don't know what it is maybe there's some psychological predisposition or or, or or something that might compel a woman to to want to use something that is I don't even know. Just market it in a certain way for them, but well, maybe it's hundred percent marketing. I think. I think it's a hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, I I love it. It's like a short-term protest move to to just put out those companies who are like that sexist and um, have those pink taxes. Um, but um, like you have to also consider that some products don't exist for men. Like you mm -hmm. have to yeah, buy yeah. that for women, right, and right. they are they are overpriced and that that's just not mm -hmm. how it works. Um, so, especially so I'm, I'm curious. The, the so, so I'm curious, like if a conservative is listening to this right now, they might be thinking like a couple of things. Um, so one, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to constrain the free market? Are you going to prevent the free market from operating in its, you know, full capacity and, and then also like things like, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, more paid leave for women and men, you know, to raise their kids. They might be like, well, what about the economic implications? What about the employer? Can they actually afford that? So um, <laughs> if I want to steel man the case from the conservative side, it might be that the negative impacts of these changes to the economy would cause an overall uh negative impact on society as compared to the benefits. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying that is an argument I could see somebody making. And then I think, yeah, I, I guess first, you know, what are your guys thoughts on that? Both you and, and Andres, I'm curious. Andre, go first. <laughs> I'm talking about So I, I've been trying to find a way to inject this into the conversation. I'm glad we're coming back to this topic. I think that what we have to consider when it comes to the economic impacts of let's say feminist policy it's the demographic crisis and that is the looming threat that i think the capitalist markets are going to have to react to eventually i don't know um, if the us is quite on the scale of countries like japan where there's there's a geriatric population and new generations aren't having as many children but we're starting to see this in the us where uh, because women want to be more competitive in the workforce and because of, you know, things that Patty mentioned, um, that you new, know, maybe job interviews, they'll try to like suss out like, Hey, like, when are you planning on having a child and whatnot? I, I think women tend to have less and less children within certain, you know, categories of society based on education, you know, cross sections and things like that. But eventually it's going to come to a point, And I think we're seeing this in places like Poland where even more conservative mindsets are going to have to allow a level of flexibility when it comes to women's rights in the workplace, for instance, even men's rights in the workplace to a certain extent, because 
there is a looming freakout of when it comes to net population declines um, w within places like the United States. So possibly that will be what uh, gives us the point of resolution, or it will send us down a totally chaotic conservative path. And what's that uh, sci-fi series? Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's really bad. <laughs> Um, I'm happy that you mentioned the demographic change, and that's a really big, um, yeah, a big implication that has should be considered um, when yeah we're giving an answer to your question, one because we have to consider that, especially women with academic uh, backgrounds, women who did a like studied years in the university and um have like yeah good jobs don't want to lose those jobs and then decide okay i will focus myself in my career and i i won't have children i i like i also know many many friends of mine who decide like this because they see all the job discrimination and they're like okay if i really want to succeed i i really have to take a path and we should i think i really um i'm really convinced that we should um, build a word and also a job word <laughs> where we don't have to choose a path where um, all the women with academic background or not can choose whatever path but like being able to um, yeah unite the, a family with their with the work um, like like how it's possible for men men don't have to really think about those things and I would really love that women could have like the same chances and um especially if we want to um give the like thinking in a economic way that if we want to increase our economy it's really important that we have um children who are like um yeah who are raised in a certain way that they are open that they are also like feminists that they are also like no i can i can do whatever i like i if I would, um, if I'm born like a, a like a like um, as a as a girl, I don't have to wear um, pink and um, do like certain jobs that are like stereotypes. I can also like be a a pilot, uh, a lawyer, whatever. And that in 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 fact, if if we yeah create a certain um, openness in this field of work, I think it's um yeah it would um open up a lot of chances in, in terms of democratic um factors but also like that women also feel like the the possibility to to get any job they want and that for me is like more a chance or a benefit for the economic situation well and maybe I, this is where i would chime in with yeah. kind of not necessarily a steel man argument but the most common uh and I don't digest too much conservative media, but what I've seen out of like, you know, the, the tragic Ben Shapiro circles is this kind of point that's made that uh, feminist movements globally tend to accept that viewpoint that yes, everybody should have a choice to work in whatever career field they want. And yet certain fields, uh, women don't appear to have any interest in working in when it comes to the trades, right? Working as a plumber, or working as a like construction worker and sweltering heat in you know suburban Arizona. I mean, these jobs are shit like for everybody. So, but but 
we don't really tend to talk when we say like women in STEM, women in like the engineering fields, it's more along the lines of like, yeah, like we should allow women to go get higher level degrees so that they can work in, you know, management positions for this. But should we also open up the horizons for women to work in like the toiling fields, right? That they can, they can be a uh, sanitation worker or something like that. Oh, of course, like, of course. I mean, it's also the other way around. It's also the other way around that women should have the right to to, act, to have access to any kind of job, not just like I, I talked about. We talked about increasing the economy, the economy. So I talked about um, higher higher jobs in this case, but it's like that. Um, yeah, if we consider where women work mostly, it's really. It's a lot of care jobs that they do. And um, yeah, I, I think we should be totally open to this, that women also can work in those kind of fields. Here, for example, I um, like a little <laughs> um, story. I, 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 I saw a sign traveling that um, said, hombres trabajando, which means like... Working men, men at work. Working men. Here, <laughs> they don't pretend to like to involve everyone it's just men working and so the sign really says and yeah <laughs> working men and i really had to had to laugh but then I, I thought about it and was like yeah okay that's why like never a woman chose this this kind of field this kind of career so to speak for for them because um yeah those paths are really like yeah already patty have you heard of the uh, gender equality paradox um, no, no, tell me, please. <laughs> so it's this idea that as societies kind of become more gender equal in terms of rights and, and, and economics and, and whatnot, it turns out that there is a larger kind of um, difference in some of the occupations that men and women choose. So instead of having a more equal distribution of, let's say, men and women in engineering fields, you actually see a higher uh, difference. Uh, and, and so I, I guess I'm curious, do, do you, does the, from your standpoint, you know, is the goal of the feminist movement to try to um, come to some like optimal ratio between men and women in certain fields? Or, or what's, what's the goal, right? Because we see like in Scandinavian societies, you do see a wider difference. Uh, than in societies where, where they have less equality on, on other grounds. Okay, that's really interesting. It's also like a new fact for me. Um, <laughs> and it, it, like, it's true, like um, in Scandinavian societies, ah, really cool that you mentioned Scandinavia because they really, okay, just like this. And then I come back to the, the question, just mm -hmm. like fact about um, sure. when I, um, when I was in Denmark, I, I spoke to the people and they told me that, um, here they, they they in Denmark they wanted to like people to have children like at the young age why studying and they like got all the support you can imagine from the state like hmm. um got so much money so much help so much um yeah openness concerning like um that also men can can do the the, the work with the child and stuff like and it really worked i i was in the streets and i just saw young people with um with with children it was like and it was also really really normal to just see men with the with the <laughs> um yeah the stroller yeah 
<laughs> and um, yeah, that that gives for me um, hope that it could work. And also, like I, um, coming back to your question, I personally don't think um, that is fe feminism does not want to achieve that women get like a higher payment. That's not the goal. Like what I said in the beginning, that um, the the goal of feminism is really like equalize it. Um, so, so sorry, just to be clear, I, I don't mean in terms of like payment, in terms of the number of women in a particular field or industry, like say the number of uh, women that are scientists or engineers, like is, is feminism trying to, you know, trying to equalize the ratio? Like, do they really like, would they say it's unequal until there's just as many male engineers as female engineers? Or is it only about the opportunity to become an engineer for a woman, which I, I would suspect should be the case? Yeah, but it, it's um, it's more about the opportunity, but it's more mm -hmm. like also about changing the minds, like changing the minds of the like in the whole process of um, being a child and um, mm -hmm. like what what. What are your interests? What are allowed? What, what are you allowed to, as a girl, to have kind of interest? It, it should be like all really open and all really possible. So it's really about those opportunities that should be equal. And if it, at the end it's really um, medio medio, then it's fine. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, we cannot predict predict it because right now we live in a world there where women do certain jobs and men. Sure, sure. And, and there's, there's, there's one quick thing that I wanted to circle back to something that Andre mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, the, the declining birth rates, you know, and, and this is something that we've seen in, in, uh, in, in Western nations, a lot of developing country or the most developed countries. Um, uh, do you think as women, you know, have now kind of been given the freedom to, to pursue careers and to pursue other things? Um, and have economic power uh, and just have a wider set of potential aspirations. You know, there's just more a woman can aspire to and be now. Um, mm -hmm. Is there an inherent tension between that and having kids? I mean, beyond the fact that, you know, having kids can impact your career. And I, and I agree with both of you that making sure that women don't feel that way is, is going to be helpful in terms of having them be more comfortable having kids. So I think that, again, that, that is helpful, but I don't know if that's like a full solution to this issue of birth rates. And the uh, and so, so kind of two questions. One is, again, do, do you view that there's an inherent tension between the freedom and the, all the possibilities that women have now in raising kids, where the idea of raising kids is just less appealing? And then two, from a long-term standpoint, like, is this, this sustainable? If there is a tension, how is this sustainable? Because, you you know, you have cultures that are more conservative, more traditional, uh, maybe more religious, like Mormons or other religious groups, where they're going to just, you know, they're going to out-baby, you know, <laughs> the, the feminists. So, like, is this a, a, a stable strategy, you know, in the long run? Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting because you really um, found the the most important point, right? Because 
if women have all the rights and can do whatever they want, why should they um, decide for for a path where they get most discriminated and most disadvantages? And um, so, of course, there is a connection. There is a connection, and like I mentioned before, like I, for example, have friends who said, like, no, I, <laughs> I know how the world works right now. I, I would love to have it like in a different way, but I know if I want to succeed in my career. I cannot have a big family um, because that, not, that at this point in this world does not work. Um, and of course that um, yeah, brings the, the, the risk that um, we don't have enough children in the future. And also um, for a more, you said conservative or yeah. Okay. I, I don't think like the, the kids of the moment would take over and we, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's really important that for are are yeah, you sure they have like sixteen kids? Yeah, they all like, speak like sure? sixty foreign languages. <laughs> like they're all well educated. Like I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> they have a lot of kids, Patty. Like honestly, yeah, I I, I wouldn't be so, too confident about that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's also the question. Like if the. Um, the woman really wants to have 16 ki kids or wants to have the birth control, like what sure. <laughs> but, 16 but it, kids, it, it, I cannot it is kind of, imagine. I like what you're saying because it is almost sort of the, like the liberation paradox, right? That mm -hmm. when you provide opportunities for women to fully function in society, let's say this is leading to a decrease in birth rates. Although I think it's a bit more complicated than that because, you know, there's, you know, healthcare systems, all this kind of stuff. But, it, you know, we all agreed on a point that we want to create a society down the line where everybody has the opportunity to pursue whatever they see fit in, in terms of their life, work, happiness, whatever. But if those sorts of people are not having children, the ones that subscribe to that ideology and believe in that type of future and circles that maybe view the world more conservatively and certainly view women as having a certain role in society are having more children. There is this kind of paradox that if the, ch if, if those circles are having children, they're raising their children in that kind of mindset, it is eventually going to, I don't know, let's talk about from like a democratic standpoint, you'll have more voters that vote against women's rights or policies that support women in the workplace, which I, I haven't thought about it that way. And it does introduce a pretty, difficult kind of concept to think through uh, uh to a certain extent yeah like you're completely right and i also um see that problem and also yeah kind of fear that problem that people who really want to make a different um yeah of course also need to have children who wants to make this different in order to really create a different society where all those feminist thoughts and also like this way of life is possible for everyone um, it's, it really reminds me of the discussion, um, um, where people who really fear what climate change will do to the planet, mm -hmm. um, what they think about having a family, having kids, because it's also this kind of paradox because they, uh, at one point they, they don't want to, yeah, have more difficulties for the planet, so to speak. <laughs> with um yeah, yeah having more children yeah. mm. um but at the same time they yeah it's important to have kids to teach the the values to the kids that they 
and also that the kids can find problems to the solution. And here, I I personally would handle it that way. That um, personally, I, I like yeah to have kids and then to, to educate them in the in a certain way to to, to give like hope to hold the concept and um, yeah that that would be my personal solution. But that is not a solution for everyone. Everyone, it's a really personal decision and. Um, but it's like you said, it's a really, really big problem, and yeah, um, yeah the root of yeah. it maybe also. Yeah, it's it, you know it, it is. It, it seems again, it seems like inherently contradictory. Certain so many aspects <laughs> of it, and and and. But I think all of us can agree that the solution is at least one of the solutions is to make it as easy as possible for women to have kids and raise them. Uh, and and have society support that as much as possible. That seems like a non-negotiable. Um, I, I do want to. So I do want to touch on something else. So speaking of paradoxes, um, so there's this idea of the female happiness paradox, and, and basically what it, what it is, it, it's it's a measure of happiness between men and women. Um, and I th I think you know more or less it's been studied uh, in depth for the past several decades. So following like the sexual revolution and really just um, the liberation of women. So early, so w when they first started measuring this, you know, women actually were happier than men on average. And over time, what's happened is, although both sexes have declined in happiness, um, women are actually now less happy than men. Uh, so, so not only overall they're less happy, but in relation to men, they're less happy. And so, um, do, like, what do you think? First of all, I mean, have you heard of that stat? And, and then, secondly, what do you think could be a potential cause of that? Because in, you know, you would expect women to have, as they have more freedom, to be happier. But there's other things mm -hmm. potentially going on. Um, first of all, my question would be, when was this happiness in index measured first? Like, was it before the sexual re revolution or was it after it? I, I think it started around 1960s and 70s with the introduction of birth so control, 19, I think. 1960, the, the happiness was like the, the women are more happy mm -hmm. than men. And mm -hmm. then it declined both after. after. Correct. Okay. Um, I heard about um, also happiness index, but... Um, like a really specific one that means like um that women who are not in a relationship who don't have kids don't have husband um tend to be more happy or in those happiness indexes are the people reported most happy and <laughs> sorry I mean, uh, compare sorry can, can you clarify that more happy compared to to to, to just anyone to, or to compare to anyone to to women with children, with families, with husband to man. Um, I mean, that's mm. an interesting fact that um, this is really the group, like the most happy group. But referring to your question, um, why like it could have come to a yeah, decline of um, happiness. I mean, happiness is a really complex um, <laughs> feeling and yeah. it, it, it has probably um, a lot of um, explanations, but that women were more happy um, 
like shortly after the sexual liberation, like after the, um, yeah, after after getting more rights about their body and more rights about um, yeah their their movements, that that is pretty clear and that makes sense. But after that, um, that was about like the second wave of feminism, like mm -hmm. after the nineteen sixties, and then after that, um, we had the the third and the fourth waves, and if we connect the happiness now to to, 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 the, to the feminism, um, it it was yeah we, we maybe they they saw okay it's not that easy we cannot achieve um, equal rights with this movement that fast maybe that's why the happiness um, declined not the maybe they realized okay the the birth control is not the solution to all of our problems because the the birth control and is also a problem with hormones with and, and stuff like this. Yeah, what, um, what I read actually is, is that the birth, birth control, hormonal, hormonal birth control is, is linked to depression in women, which is, I, I think, you know, there's been kind of a, a trend lately that, of women trying to get off or being more hesitant to take that kind of birth control. But um, yeah, that's I had totally a point. right. Yeah, um, but we are getting right. distracted. I'm sorry. But um, yeah, I think. Maybe if we connect it to feminism, it's like the yeah the recognition like things don't work out that easy just by, by introducing a movement um, or birth control or more rights. It's not like we have equality in few years. Maybe it's well, connected. Well, well to I this. think just so, so. I think some of the, some of the problem might be linked to equality or actually women overperforming compared to men. And so one of the stats that I've seen, and and this goes hand in hand with women now doing you know better in terms of graduating from college like there's more women graduating from college than men mm -hmm. uh women you know it, it, some some psychologists would say that they tend to do better in like white collar mm -hmm. environments uh because they tend to be maybe more conscientious and agreeable they tend to be like better employees quite frankly um and, but I don't, and so, I don't think white collar environments necessarily reward being conscientious and agreeable i, I think that's kind well of it, of it depends on what well, so in in terms of, okay, so it, it, it's it's tough because there are obviously to, to to kind of rise up the ladder, you do have to be more disagreeable. To negotiate better on your pay, you do have to be more disagreeable. But mm -hmm. it's really in comparison to just getting there, and like there's just less men. It seems like. Uh, that are suited as well to be in that environment at all as, as like a more categorical difference. Um, and, and, and so if, if women start to out earn men, uh, I'm not saying for the same occupation, I'm saying if there's like more women, let's say in white collar positions, because now there's more women that are college educated, uh, like let's say a woman who's, you know, working in marketing is making more money than a plumber then they're out they're potentially out earning this guy right and and so what i've seen from statistics is that when a woman makes more than a man in a, in a partnership uh there's 50 more per, there's a 50 percent more likelihood of divorce hmm. and so there, there's mm -hmm. kind of this difference in terms of expectation between the sexes in you know heterosexual relationships where a woman is kind of dissatisfied by the lower earning potential of a man and like that could be one of the contributions to 
to less happiness as, as women are becoming just more economically independent. Like that could be an inherent quality of, of economic independence. I, I think there is kind of... Does it surprise you? So oh. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I think there is this paradox as well with a paradox within a paradox, I guess, where as uh, women have become more integrated in the functioning of society, I think certain responsibilities have been lifted off the shoulders of men. And I, I do think there is this illusion at times. And, and Patty, I'm not saying you were saying this. I think this is kind of in reference to the, to the rhetoric in general, that the patriarchy, like, yes, it benefits men, but it also causes men to, to live under quite unfortunate and, and rigorous circumstances themselves, right? So mm -hmm. as uh, women's liberation took off, I think certain responsibilities were like lifted off of the collective like masculine blob and we ourselves became a bit more free, whereas women had to embrace certain realities that weren't necessarily as uh, idealistic or amazing as maybe we all had thought, right? So men are themselves being liberated. There's less pressure on men to perform as fathers, leaders, et cetera, et cetera, because we're now kind of trying to equally shoulder the burdens. So therefore men might feel in fact happier that, that, you know, the patriarchy is indeed no longer as oppressive to their status in society as well. While mm -hmm. women have to step into a greater role of dealing with bullshit, dealing with like nonsense that, that kind of is out there in the ether to a certain extent. Yeah, Th thank you for mentioning that because um, your when you questioned it, it was it sounds like yeah, just that men just have benefits from the patriarchy, and it, it's clearly true they they benefit from it, but they also suffer from it. Like the, those um, behaviors of toxic masculinity that are lead to those happiness indexes that um, show more happiness when the, the man really earns more or um, there also was a study that women tend to, to lie about their, their um, financial income because yeah, in order to um, make the man feel better or his, um, the partner feel better about his own. And that is like, yeah, grounded in the structures, how, how we work, how the society works. And it's also, it's not that just the women suffer about from it. It's also, yeah, what you mentioned, um, that it puts a lot of pressure on, on the men because it influences like how, how we all thought, think, like men and women. And um, it's something that both can benefit from when if we, if we change those structures and if we um, open up a little bit about it. And this includes, um, also could lead to increasing happiness index. That is also the... the the, the main goal of it it's not just um yeah feminism and um like uh, it, it's the goal that all people can can go yeah happier more more kind of content and through their lives that um is the, the goal yeah there was a uh there was a video i was watching the other day um and it was somebody that kind of ranting about how could there be uh, you know, a patriarchy if men are sent off to die in war, right? And this reference point was mm -hmm. talking about the war in Ukraine, where uh, when Russia invaded in, in February, they uh, started closing the borders, right? So men couldn't 
leave the country because they were getting mm-hmm. called up for military service. But women were, were leaving Ukraine. They were moving to France, Germany, UK. But I did find it a little bit interesting. It's like there cannot possibly be a patriarchy because like men are being oppressed and forced to fight in wars. But then there's also that kind of gap in thinking, I think, where like, well, indeed, what if this is also a symptom of mm-hmm. a of patriarchy in, in a system that equally, maybe not equally, but it in different ways oppresses men and women with expectations and, and kind of rigid parameters that, that you have to fit into. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we also talked about the, the negative consequence that half patriarchy on the man because um, they are there and they are also have to be fired. It's not just benefits for women, it's also like those benefits that um, yeah, lead from, um, from the patriarchy. And um, yeah, it's also when, when you mentioned um, before that, um, yeah, those happiness indexes um, are decreasing when, when, when women earn more and stuff. Uh, I, I wanted to ask, does it surprise you? Because it's also based on the patriarchy, right? That's how we think. And um, yeah, it's like how, how we think, how the society, how, how a partnership should work with the men is the one bringing the yeah, money. Yeah, I mean, like just well, because well, well, society evolves doesn't mean thinking evolves, right? We, we, we've addressed that point earlier in the conversation where we might pass all of the legislation and we might have all of like the constitutional accommodations to equalize the status of gender in, in a country. But if we, we're still thinking along, like these are the roles and there's like the cognitive dissonance of like, I am a man. I should be like the main breadwinner. I should be driving mm-hmm. the Bugatti. Uh, but, but then here is, is, is a successful woman that is driving the Bugatti and I'm not. And, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure that creates some sort of like uh, deep rooted insecurity or cog- yeah, cognitive dissonance, I think. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think, exactly. I think, I, I think there's some, th- there are certain psychological differences between men and women. And it's not clear how both sexes will respond to kind of this more new age gender roles compared to more traditional gender roles um and, and i and i think i think that in part could be it, could, it may not just be like oh we just need a cultural shift I, I think it could be some deeply ingrained psychological characteristics you know based on our evolutionary past and i think that that's a definitely um a more difficult challenge um you know when we, and, and another paradox i want to bring up as well is is the paradox of choice um i, I think there's we, this is a great day for paradox men of paradox. <laughs> that, that's the title of the episode right there men of paradox <laughs> um, I, I, of i'm paradox. glad that uh, um, the episode about the feminism is called men of paradox. yes okay, I'm sorry, yes I'm sorry, guys. yeah yeah we have to, oh yeah. i was patty i was i was gonna call it uh feminist gets destroyed by logic and reason that's what i was uh... <laughs> no no but 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 the this idea of the paradox of choice is i think kind of linked to some studies that i've seen where you know people in like arranged marriages or semi-arranged marriages like actually have more relationship satisfaction um and and i think that that has to do with like the sense of regret like if you have more options 
you know, if you're in a candy store and you can pick between a thousand different candies and you pick like two or three, you might be like, you might think like, okay, it was good, but you know, what if I chose the other one? And what about all the other ones that I didn't choose? Right. And so, whereas if you go to a gas station and their selection is only like two or three candies, you just choose the best one out of that. I don't know. And you're satisfied. Like, There might be some inherent property of freedom that produces uh, kind of some sort of reduction in well-being due to the regret that we we face. Um, I I don't know. That's just something I've thought about. What what, what are your what are your thoughts? Um, I think I don't think that the well-being really increases with the lack of um, liberation or having more more liberty, more choices, because, um, yeah, maybe they, like, I don't want to say they don't think they're happy or, like, I cannot look at their brains or something, but I would always prefer to to have more choices in order to have more liberty, because um, if we limit um, ourselves in order to have, like, probably or maybe, like, um, yeah, increased happiness, um, that would mean... Yeah, that would be totally crazy in my opinion. Um, I, I cannot um, speak for those well, who had an arranged marriage, but um, I mean, if you decide to have a marriage um, and uh, after it you get divorced, it means like um, that was your decision for um, a well-being. And just because you're divorced, that does not mean that you are you're not happy or anything. It it means that that was your decision um, for it. And a lot of arranged marriages just, like, blatantly suck in general. Like, I mean, yeah, okay, like, mm-hmm. you make it work. There is this kind of, like, you learn how to power through it and, like, build a natural connection. But, like, you know, I, I still think like, there's, there's like, a so t- much, yeah. yeah, there's so much pressure on those, um, on, on women and men in this sense. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, just cra- it's, it's just crazy. It's just, for me, it's an idea of a past and... Also, like the concept of like arranging marriage and like paying for women to to um, yeah, as a tradition, as um, yeah, things that doesn't go hand in hand with my ideas of um, yeah, how well, life. I, I think be. I think what's interesting is now that you know, mar- for example, marriage is less about economics. <laughs> um, it. Like as people become, you know, more affluent, you know, they, they, they there might be a, a tendency to now look for a partner that kind of feels like the more romantic, idealized romantic notions of what a partner should be, as opposed to like, oh, someone who's who's like a stable breadwinner or or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe just purely for um, the sake of like family status or wh- whatever the reasoning was in the past. Now that you have this freedom and and, and this different motive. Um, uh, I think we might find that it's a lot more challenging to find people that we really, uh, get along with that. We really want to be married with. I mean, there's, there, there, there's again, another sort of, again, it just kind of goes back to the arranged marriage thing. Like if you didn't have a choice, if you didn't know any better, like there is something about that where you might just be more content. But now that we have the freedom to choose and we have these stronger preferences and higher expectations of what it means to have like a a good fulfilling partner um again it's just one of like the paradoxes of 
becoming a, a more developed, free individual, like maximizing the individual type of society. I don't um, actually I think, think it's a, we, we have that sort of diversity of choice. I, I think, in fact, we are. And maybe that was like a limited moment from like the 1990s until like towards 2008. But I think the socioeconomic circumstances are like effectively fucked for both men and women where we are increasingly relying on a partner that could simultaneously function as a breadwinner for both men and women because you know let's talk about like home ownership i don't know what the situation is like in germany patty maybe in central america it's like totally chill but like in the in the u.s very very difficult to buy like a house or any property without two stable incomes Right, very difficult mm -hmm. to make any sort of like financial commitments within our current circumstances, and it looks like it's just going to be like this for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, I actually think that now there is like, yeah, people are trying right. to find like that source of stability from both genders because we're all fucked. Which maybe that's the ultimate egalitarianism where everybody's screwed. You know that that's that's kind of the the universal universal equality to a certain extent. What inflation does to an MF, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah, it's really true. It's it's impossible to just like buy some property without two incomes, and um, mm -hmm. it, it, like it's true. It's a different in different sides of the world, but yeah, in Germany, it's the same. How much is the, uh, like, what is the expectation in Germany if you're trying to buy, like, even a condo, like a two-bedroom condo, like, in, I don't know. What's a condo? It's like a condominium? A it's a flat. Like an it's apartment? Flat. flat? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, to buy, I, I'm... Like, like in Munich, Munich like a decent part of Munich or Frankfurt or, or somewhere, <laughs> I don't know. part of Munich. Yeah, I, I, I am not sure about the, the, the price situation but munich is like one of the most expensive cities in, in germany and even mm. if you just want to buy a flat it's it can be millions Damn. millions mm. wow wow okay well i millions? guess we're all moving yeah. to like, like if it's a really nice flat. <laughs> that's a really nice flat yeah i could see that yeah all but right. half a million i don't know <laughs> okay all right well mm. i mean Guess we're not moving to Germany. No time soon. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I yeah. think uh, you know. I think this has been a pretty healthy discussion. I think we touched on many of the topics that we wanted to touch on. Um, I think we, I, I, you know, I think if people just discuss these things more with one another, um, they can see that they're not that far apart. Right. Like we're we're not really disagreeing a whole lot. Um, and, and I think even people that are maybe kind of, I don't know, more conservative or more liberal on this topic than any of us. I, I, I think the the gap here is not as large as it seems like in, in social media uh, and in the online spaces. Like it seems like there's a lot of antagonization of both sides. But I think if you just have a conversation, it's not it's not as perilous as it seems. Yeah, it's really true. Like we have to like get out of our bubbles and just keep talking. And 
what you said at one moment of our um our conversation was like maybe there's some respect missing and i really thought like yeah maybe that is one of the key points because um if you respect a person you pay the person equal like a man if you respect your person you don't violate that person if you respect it you um yeah many persons are uh, many cases maybe are um yeah are different of you yeah and also in those those um conversations the respect is one key key point i guess and um yeah for, for the end i i have like a little recommendation because now we talked a lot about like how things are right now or could be in the future and not about much how what yeah what where was in the past or how feminism involved in the past and um i lately read a book um from verena weidenbach it's a book about untold it's called untold stories and it's about how women cr created this modern world we live in and um it's about um stories of women who achieved great things in the past and um yeah they researched they wrote literature they they started new eras in art and stuff and they had they have not been recognized for their achievements but men um in contrary have stolen those achievements and presented them as their own it's really really interesting and um finally makes visible the contribution women have made to our world in the past which um i was i'm really into feminism and i really did not know many things for example like it was not what disney who created the first animated film it was lotte reiniger it was ada lovelace who described the first computer program um also really famous examples um Rosalind Franklin she was the researcher who discovered the DNA and its structure and and just discovered that it's a double helix structure and was mm -hmm. not uh, James Watson and and Francis Crick but they got mm -hmm. the Nobel prize like stories like this um were which are really really interesting and give credits to women um who achieved things in the past that, that's well, a the, the, recommendation the the person who developed CRISPR was also a woman mm -hmm. i believe so CRISPR is a huge technology. Uh, you're familiar with CRISPR, the um, the genetic editing. It's it's a gene okay. editing tool that was developed, uh, I think, in the last decade, um, and it was developed by a woman. Mm -hmm. But it's it's potentially like the most promising technology right now, in uh, in like gene, I don't know, gene therapy or whatever field you yeah, want to call it. Two scientists uh, from China, men, went went forward and like started like just using this like gene alteration therapy without any sort of uh <laughs> like medical credit, consensus credit. or anything like that no no but, they, they uh, totally that... they they disregarded like safety guidelines <laughs> and regulations they went gung-ho and i and i think okay. part of that motivation is to seek status and fame for you know you not maybe not necessarily developing the technology but using it in a groundbreaking way on a human but okay yeah but on a human <laughs> It was the same story that the uh, researcher developed that and um, the girl didn't get the, the woman didn't get the credits and the man came and go, took it or no, 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 no. She, she, she okay. got the credit. It's just the men took that technology and ran with it and tried to, um, I, I think what they wanted to do is, is, is apply it to like human, to humans, human gene editing, uh, okay, and, 
and maybe seek status that way and overshadow. It could be, you know, I, I don't know if they cared so much for the woman, but they just wanted status in general. They wanted to be the first um, to use right. the technology in, in human trials. I know. Before, right. There wasn't any like consensus on the medical community yet. Like there's still like uncertainty as mm -hmm. it would like the long term effects of gene editing are on like a human as they grow. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, no, I, I don't know if that was necessarily cool. tied to the, the the you know discourse between men and women but it was certainly tied to like mm -hmm. uh we have to be the first to to launch this sort of like gene treatment therapy um and we don't know what's gonna happen to the twins okay i think, I think we should follow this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah this this book um, was always like about like, women achieving something and men starting this it's fascinating. That makes it really interesting and, and yeah it's isn't really... like william shakespeare isn't there like a theory that william shakespeare is actually like <laughs> Either stealing a, some a woman? shit from women. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> a baby. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, about Shakespeare, I'm not sure, but um, Bertolt Brecht, um, he was really famous for giving like um, voices to normal people in how those um, in his theater plays. Mm -hmm. And um, he had a, yeah, it was not his wife, like a, yeah, like a person. Um, a wife, but not married. I'm not sure. Like, all these uh, these these all sound like uh, German names that you're giving us. Is there some bias here? They're all like German female. <laughs> <laughs> but Bertolt Brecht is like, yeah, of course, German, but like really famous, like worldwide famous. Bias, <laughs> Sorry, but, I um, live in a I live in America. The world is is a. Uh, only the border the United ever. States. Yeah. If it's not yeah, American, it ain't good. <laughs> okay, okay. But Shakespeare, you mentioned from the UK. So. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, UK no. is basically America. We, we, Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, what I just wanted to mention was like, all the ideas who uh, made better Brecht really famous came from this. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think I think it's a good point to make because, you know, I, I, I've, I've heard this before and it's like, Oh, well, why are all the invent like inventors male or all the groundbreaking scientists mm -hmm. male? It's like, well, because yeah. women weren't allowed to, to do anything, you know, more yeah, or less. I, I thought the so. same. I, I asked myself the same. I was like, okay, it's sad because of patriarchy and they are not allowed. But they, they did it. And um, in many cases, they just didn't get the credits. And it was mm -hmm. like, went down the book from it was a really, yeah, that's why I wanted to mention you. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Andre. I think one of the more like fascinating things that that I've been reading about lately is uh, again, like to my question earlier about you know socialism and, and how it impacts like, gender roles. But there's the case of um, Valentina Tereshkova in the Soviet Union. She was the first woman in space, but she didn't want to go to space. Like she just like she didn't want to, but they made her because they said like, like oh, there must be a woman in space there first. Must and that, be a woman in that space woman again. will be you. And she was like, fucking like, no, I don't want, and they sent her up there and she's the only person that went up to space, saw the earth, came back more conservative. And like <laughs> now she's still alive and she's like making life hell for everybody because they didn't listen to her. She's like, no, I don't want to, no, no you have to go. <laughs> it's just, that's so crazy. <laughs> since we're name, since we're name dropping, uh, I, I guess I should drop name drop an Armenian woman, but I, I have, I have uh, nothing. This is where we establish so. our like feminist credentials by naming women. We, <laughs> women, we I'm know. I am exposed as a fraud. So uh, yeah, well. <laughs>
Well, Patty, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Uh, any, yeah, any, anything you want to discuss? Um, I think I'm good. I think I forgot a bit to mention when we talked about the equal pay gap. Um, we just talked about women in general, but I um, just wanted to add that, um, yeah, you cannot generalize like all women in general because um, the statistics about the equal pay gap says like, for example, you mentioned that women in general earn like, how much was it? 82 cents for every dollar a man earns, but it's not for all women the same. For example, black women earn like 69 cents. Um, people from Latina women, 50, 57 cents and native women, 59 mm. cents. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to just, yeah, have a focus also on, on um, Wow. So, so um, the white, the white women are skewing the data set. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So white women, so white women are the problem. White women are the problem. I think we figured it out I on this. I think white men, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a yeah, great point. Anyway, uh, um, I think like I just there's an entire. The... Oh, sorry. Ahead, Patty. That was. No, I, I just, um, your connection was late. I didn't you speaking. Just could say it again. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's things, things we deal with, I suppose. Yeah. I think, yeah, did you ask him to repeat what he said? I think you missed what he said, but. Yeah, because you had the a connection point, was bad, eh? Oh, yeah. Sorry, my, my signal is getting loose. Um, I was going to say that, no, to Patty's point, it, it, it is quite, uh, you know, the layers of how deep we can go. You know, I can't imagine, you know, what the gender pay gap is for Native women from tribes that have been, like, systemically, like, destroyed. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the, the data from that's going to be far more dark and, and gruesome than um, yeah, the average. Yeah, just also yeah. consider, yeah, mm -hmm. different classes and culture background so yeah that yeah, was important yeah. but except from this i think we covered a lot and just wanted to thank you for giving me that platform for inviting me and yeah for the really really interesting conversation with you guys we, we would love to have you back at some point um you know who knows what continent you'll be on then and we'll get a an even more interesting perspective Ab yeah absolutely I'm, thanks patty i'm here appreciate you <laughs> appreciate having you on okay okay Yvonne, I thought that was a pretty damn interesting conversation. What, yeah, you man, it was, uh, it, it was good. It was good. I think uh, people from all sides uh, could take away something from this. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this off air, but I think trying to have these conversations with, as we mentioned on the show, like a basis of respect to one another, I think that's really the most productive way to go about it. Um, we didn't agree on everything. Uh, we certainly introduced some pretty contentious arguments that, opponents of feminism might use but i think that was certainly navigated by patty with grace and uh poise and it really let us i think have a very productive discussion that certainly we don't really see um on other channels maybe that's like a yeah, point yeah. to us <laughs> yeah and, and i think uh, it also left room for further discussion i mean there, there's some of these paradoxes um just inherent i feel like to to all the the good uh, that has come about from, you know, maybe post enlightenment thinking from mm -hmm. from women's liberation, 
I think it would be very interesting to uh, to explore that further at some point uh, because it, it it is it is also you know when you tie that in tie that to the birth rates like it, it's it, it is um, going to become more and more relevant as uh, society implodes. Yeah, I mean, from that from that the demographic. demographic crisis is really real, yeah. and I think uh, depending on how our respective countries and, and governments respond to the demographic crisis, it's really going to determine certainly the, the status of women in the future. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned kind of this like handmaid's tale situation, but we would like there to be a continued push towards a level of equality, I think across all genders, belief structures, things like that. But that's not necessarily guaranteed with how governments respond. And I think oftentimes it's a lot easier for policymakers to start backsliding. So we'll see, and we can always revisit the topic as we learn more about what the hell is going on in the world. Absolutely. And uh, again, if you enjoy the show, subscribe, comment, like, help feed the algorithm. Um, and yeah, we, we will have plenty of more content. Uh, we are, but slaves so. to the algorithm. Thank you, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you again soon. Take care.